The sixth seal of Revelation chapter 6 represents the culmination of Satan's planned false apocalypse on the earth. This is the portion where he presents his saviors who are going to save the earth from, again, the apocalypse that he himself caused. How will this work? And why is the designation of this period as the wrath of the Lamb one of the proof points that this is a satanic deception and not judgment from God? We'll talk about it on this week's episode of Revelation Unveiled on Faith by Reason. Welcome to Faith by Reason. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. There you will find hundreds of hours of study material, blogs, podcasts, and videos. And we are continuing our study of Revelation with um, our study of Revelation chapter 6. And we're actually about to wrap it up. We're at the, the end of it with the last seal being opened. And just keep in mind to... To uh, frame this again, I have been going through Revelation chapter 6, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the other seals from the standpoint of this being a satanic deception, not the beginning of the wrath of God, which is how it's traditionally seen, but actually a deception by Satan of a false apocalypse for the express purpose of bringing in his world government, his reign, his temporary reign on the earth. And we've talked about the, the first part of this with the first four horsemen, the, the first one being the Antichrist, the white rider, who is going to come on the scene after the first rapture, the rapture of the church. And he is going to start painting the picture of God as the enemy of mankind and the people who are raptured, not as the good people, but actually the bad people who had to be taken out of the way to clear the world for what's to come. And we're going to take a deep dive into that in this episode. Then you have the rider on the red horse, which represents the slaughter, the spotso, a, a massive ritual blood sacrifice to bring forth demonic energy and manifest demons themselves. Then you have the black horse, which is economics. Scarcity due to economic control is where Satan consolidates his economic control over the entire world. So you have chaos with the red horse um, calling for military action and for people to be crying out for order. Then you have the economic control and who, who can, he who controls the, the money controls the world. And then finally, as we talked about last week, you have the pale horse, which is a massive population reduction, which is again, one of the big goals of the globalists to reduce the population massively to make it easier to govern. And now we're going to have the final seal. Well, then we also talked about the fifth seal, which is the martyrs crying out from heaven, asking God when he's going to finally avenge them, because it looks like Satan's winning. Satan's plan is going really well so far. And the martyrs are saying, you know, God, I see this happening. When are you going to avenge us? And God says, don't worry, it's close. Just wait a little while longer. And there's one more seal to go. And so now this final seal is, again, the culmination of the plan, where in order to have your false messiah, you have to have your false apocalypse. We've just seen that with the four horsemen. And now the false saviors are going to come into the world in the form of what's happening and at, at, the, at this um, breaking of the sixth seal. And I will say now this is probably not an interpretation of the sixth seal you've ever heard before, or at least maybe you have, but I'm going to say it's very likely you haven't because I've heard this very rarely. And again, it could be wrong. I totally own that possibility, but I think you'll see as I break this down, as I have before, that there is some merit to it. But as always, it is up to you to do your own study and, and prayerfully uh, examine this. So let's just start by simply reading the passage. Revelation chapter 6, starting at verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, 
and the stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slain, er, excuse me, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Okay, um, a lot's going on here. What's happening? What does all this stuff mean? Well, again, the traditional view is that these are cosmic disturbances and the judgment is actually the earthquake that, you know, you see stars falling from heaven and the skies receding and it's just it's just God's God showing the just physical demonstration of how angry and wrathful he is right now at, at the world. And the, the big part of the judgment is, again, the earthquake, which would be so devastating that it moves mountains and islands out of its place. Obviously, I don't believe that I this is part of the satanic deception. And in order to, to really understand this, let's start with verse 13, where it says, and, and I'll, I'll track back and get to the earthquake and the sun and moon and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to start at at, uh, at at this verse with the stars falling from heaven to earth, because I think that's really the key to all of this. What, is, what does it mean? And the stars of heaven fell to earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. What, what are these stars of heaven? We know they can't be actual physical stars. Stars are massive. We're talking about you know the, the astronomical stars. They are huge. They are millions of times the size of the Earth. Our sun, which is considered a medium-sized star, relatively speaking, is three million times larger than the Earth. So you cannot have even one star getting close to the Earth. The Earth would be vaporized, let alone many stars. So... I mean, the, having a star fall to Earth would be almost the equivalent of having a beach ball fall into a marble. That's not going to happen. The, the physics are all wrong. So these are not physical stars uh, from the sky as we see them at night. The argument that many people make understanding this is that John is describing a meteor shower because when, when there's a meteor shower, you know, they look, they, they're bright and they fall to the Earth. So he's talking about a meteor shower, which could be devastating if they were large enough meteors. But we tend to think that people in ancient times are far less sophisticated than they actually are. John knew the difference between a star and a meteor. We know this. Just because, again, we tend to think that we are the most advanced, the smartest people in the world that's ever lived, ever lived because you know we have better toys. We have our iPhones and the internet and whatnot. And anyone who was born before 1900, let alone 2000 years ago, is just basically a caveman who doesn't know anything. No, John knows the difference between a star and a meteor as far as a phys- as far as a, these physical objects are concerned. In fact, we will see later in Revelation where he talks about um, uh, things falling to Earth, physical objects falling to Earth that are far more likely to be an asteroid or a meteor than a star. And he does not call them stars. He basically calls them rocks or mountains falling to Earth. So we know that that's not what he means. What are the stars of heaven? Biblically speaking, the stars of heaven is an, in- is, is an idiom. Star of stars of heaven is an idiom for angelic beings, for Elohim, small e, dwellers of the spiritual realm. What is falling to earth at this at this point? What's coming to earth? Spiritual beings, angels, and I would say fallen angels, not holy angels. Why? Because look at how they they fall to earth. They fall to earth like a fig, as a fig tree drops its figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Now I don't know if you've ever seen a tree drop fruit when it's shaken by a wind, but it's it's pretty chaotic. It's it, it's, it's kind of violent. It's not something they don't gently float down to the earth. They, this is 
when these angelic beings are being thrown to the earth, it's not something that they're doing voluntarily or that they're even in control of. This is being forced upon them. So these are not good angels. These are bad angels being uh, thrown to earth. Where's it? Where's the precedent for this? What's happening here? I believe in order to understand what's happening here, we need to go to um, Revelation uh, chapter 12. Because remember, Revelation is chronological in many places, but in, in other places, it's not. You'll see things happening chronologically on earth, but usually when we get to the spiritual realm, things are happening in, out of order. You you can have par uh, parenthetical areas in Revelation that kind of, you, you it kind of breaks up the uh, linear narrative and gives you again these these kind of these parenthetical incidents and one of them is revelation chapters uh 12 and 13 we'll focus on ch revelation chapter 12 which is one of my favorite verses one of my favorite chapters in the revelation in, in all the bible in fact because i think it shows you how god sees time and he sees time as a an eternal story and revelation chapter 12 gives you god's story um in in well god's view of all of history in the form of a story and in the story you have a woman clothed in the moon and sun and the stars who represents Israel, who gives birth to a man child who is Jesus. That child is caught up to heaven. And then you have the great red dragon who is Satan, who, who is trying to stop the birth of the child and gets frustrated when the child is taken to heaven. And then you get this war in heaven. That's what I want to focus on. I'm going to read that section from uh, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, starting at verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony and did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. So what is happening here is basically what I just described. Satan is thrown out of heaven and his angels are thrown out with him. Where are they thrown to? They're thrown down to earth. When does, when does this war happen and when does the the throwing out happen? So uh, the war has been going on uh, since the beginning. So I, I believe that this, again, Revelation chapter 12 is a big picture overview of history. This war has been going on a long time. It, it didn't just happen at the beginning of Revelation or even Revelation chapter 6 or Revelation chapter 12 for that matter. This war has been ongoing. How do we know that? Well, because we see uh, aspects of it, remnants of it throughout the Bible. In, in many places, we see angels fighting with each other. We see in the, the book of Kings where I, I, I'll, I'll put the I'll put the verse in the show notes where the prophet Elijah is, is surrounded by an army and his servant is uh, is with him and his servant is freaking out because he sees all these uh, the, these armies this army around him and Elijah's sleeping and he's saying Elijah do you, do you see what's happening here we're, we're going to get overrun and Elijah says oh it's okay those who are with us are greater than those who are with them and he says what do you mean I don't know what you're talking about and so Elijah prays that God will open his servant's eyes and God does that and the servant sees into the spiritual realm which Elijah also saw and he saw the mountain filled with horses and chariots of fire this was an angelic army so this isn't just this was not just going to be a physical battle it was going to be a spiritual battle when the the battle of jericho 
we you know, we have the old song we should sing in church called Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Well, actually, Joshua didn't. If you read the story, the walls of Jericho came down supernaturally. And before that happened, the uh, the the captain of the Lord's host, which is a military title, came and visited Joshua. Actually, we're going to talk about <clears throat> that whole period of Joshua and the um, and the conquering of Canaan because it actually is going to fit really uh, succinctly into the seven trumpets, which we'll we'll get to a few episodes from now. But anyway. The angel, the captain of the Lord's host came and visited with Joshua and let him know that, that this is going to be a spiritual battle. Angels are fighting. And most blatantly, we see in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, where um, an angel, uh, Gabriel, responds to a prayer that Daniel had been praying for 21 days. And he tells Daniel that he was sent to answer Daniel's prayer on day one. But for 21 days, he had to fight with a spiritual being called the Prince of Persia who, by the way, I firmly believe is the entity called Allah that the Muslims worship. Anyway, well, it's neither here nor there for right now. But he had to fight with this person. And then after he then he told Daniel that after I finish giving you this message, I'm going to go back and I've got to fight with the Prince of Greece, another um, angelic being, a fallen angelic being. So this war has been going on since the beginning, since the fall of Satan, since the events of, of Genesis chapter 6. And so you've had angelic war happening and this passage in Revelation is showing the end of that war this war finally ends and of course Satan and his minions lose and they are cast down to earth and I believe that is what's happening here at the opening of the sixth seal the sixth seal is the culmination of Satan's false apocalypse but it's done it's not his voluntary it's not his, 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 uh, his voluntary uh, the culminate the culmin <laughs> yeah excuse me Let's try that again. It is not a voluntary uh, consummation of the false apocalypse. He's, his hand is forced. This is where God casts, through his, his um, angelic warriors, casts Satan and his angels down to earth, and they need to use it as a part of their apocalypse, as the final uh, aspect of it. So this is actually the beginning of God judging these uh, spiritual beings, which we talked about way back uh, you know, a few weeks ago when we talked about the purpose of the tribulation. And one of the purposes is for God to finally punish spiritual evil. Well, he is putting them in a position to finally be judged by casting them out of heaven and to earth. But Satan will use that as a final part of his deception. How will he do that? How will the his final defeat and the, and the angels being cast to earth, how will that fit into his deception? I think I believe he, and I, there's strong reason to believe, and I'm going to give you some of those reasons, to believe that Satan is going to position these fallen angels appearing on earth as the earth's saviors, not as a people who have been responsible for the, have been the spiritual power behind all the evil that has happened in the world since Adam and Eve. No, he's going to say that these are your saviors. These are the people who are going to save you from all the destruction that's been caused. Again, remember that all these the four horsemen are from Satan. All the destruction that's been caused is from Satan. And he is going to say that these beings have come to earth voluntarily, even though it's, it's involuntary. They've come to earth voluntarily to save mankind from the calamity. So basically, Satan is going to save the world from the calamity that he's brought about. And if that's not deception, I don't know what is. Now, look, I understand that this may all sound really strange to your ears, especially if you're used to the traditional view of Revelation chapter 6, which we talked about ad nauseum a few episodes ago, because the traditional view is not that these stars falling from heaven are angels and that the earthquake is about the angels and the sky rolling up like a scroll. 
the traditional view, again, is that these are just cosmic disturbances as part of God's judgment, that God is just basically really angry and he's rumbling and err, so the moon turns to blood and the sun is darkened and the, and, and the skies roll up like a scroll and there's a big earthquake because it's just God shaking in his anger. And the stars falling from heaven are, again, meteors or asteroids or something like that. But here's the thing. We need to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And there is a clear example in the Old Testament of this. And it's an example that is so blatant that it frankly shocks me that this is not the common view. In fact, I'm going to read you the verse and, and, and tell you again, I'm, I'm absolutely stunned that uh, more Bible commentators don't make this connection because it could not be clearer. So let's go to Isaiah uh, chapter 34, verse 4. Now, Isaiah chapter 34 is a apocalyptic judgment passage. Everyone acknowledges that, but for some reason, the Revelation commentators just miss this. Chapter, excuse me, chapter 34, verse 4. All the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falls from the vine, and as fruit falling from a fig tree. Does that sound familiar to you? It should, because it is thematically and contextually and just completely, virtually identical to uh, Revelation chapter 6, to the opening of the sixth seal. What happens at the opening of the sixth seal? The, the sky rolls up like a scroll. The and the stars for heaven, stars of heaven rain down like a fig, like figs from a fig tree. The only difference between the two verses is that in John in Revelation calls them the stars of heaven being uh, falling to the earth. And here it's called, they call it the host of heaven. The host of heaven are angels, fallen angels, angels who, who occupy the heavenly realm. It says it right here in Isaiah 34, 4. How could you possibly miss this? How could you read this and see how virtually identical it is to the Revelation passage and not see that these stars falling from heaven are the same as the host of heaven with the sky, again, the sky rolling up like a scroll, falling down like a fig tree. The exact same idioms are used. Folks, these are angelic beings being cast down. This is not uh, God shaking in anger. Yes, God is bringing them to earth, but these cosmic, these are not just cosmic disturbances. Revelation chapter six and the sixth seal here is all about spiritual evil being thrown out of heaven. That's what it's all about. You see, here's what you have to keep in mind. We can read the Bible, but so can Satan. Satan and his fallen angels can read the Bible as well as we can, probably even better than we can because they have a more spiritual worldview than most of us do. So they know this is going to happen. They know that eventually they're going to lose this war. They've, they've been holding on for as long as possible. They're still fighting now, but they know that eventually they're going to lose. They're going to be cast to earth. They've read Revelation chapter 6. They've read Revelation chapter 12. They know they're going to lose and they're prepared for it. They've been preparing for it for a long time. How? By seeding in the minds of men their plan that when they appear, they're going to be the good guys. Every religion on earth, including Christianity, has the aspect of the God or God's returning. Everyone does. Of course, yes, we Christians, we have the true one. Our, our, our God is going to return. Jesus will come back. We'll talk about that when we get to Revelation chapters uh, 19 and 20. But every religion has the idea of the gods coming back. The, all the ancient religions, the, you know, the Egyptians and, the, and Greeks and Romans do, are the current religions that dominate our world, like Islam, they're waiting for the 12th Imam, or they call him the Mahdi. He is going to come back. And, and 
he's, he's going to be basically an incarnation of Allah. The Hindus are waiting for the return of Krishna. The Buddhists are waiting for the return of Buddha. Every religion has this thought that at the end of the age, there's going to be great calamity. At the end of the world, there's going to be an apocalypse. And at the end of this apocalypse, the gods are going to come back. Again, every religion, including the Christian faith. These fall, these fallen angels have been, again, seeding this idea in the minds of all the, re, the adherents of paganism. They're waiting for it. And you may say, okay, well, that's great, but what about the atheists? There are a lot of atheists in the world. They're not going to be fooled by this. Actually, they are, because the atheists are waiting for the return of quote-unquote gods as well. They just don't call them gods. They call them something different, and that's going to be kind of the, the, the crux of what I'm going to get to here. They call them aliens or ascended masters. Every, people believe in aliens. The belief in aliens, I was reading a report. I wish I had it in front of me right now. I want to quote it, but I was reading, I think it wasn't by Barton. I think it was Pew Research did a report that shows that the majority of people, at least in America, believe in the existence of extraterrestrials. That's as of 2021. It was not this, it was not this that high 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but for whatever reason, people really believe that there's a such thing as aliens from outer space, E.T., there are people who do not cling to any particular religion or faith system, but they are, call themselves spiritual. In fact, you'll find the vast majority of people, even though even those who nominally call themselves Christians or Jews or Muslims, if you were, if they are really being accurate, they they call they consider themselves spiritual. They don't want to adhere to the Bible or the Quran or the or the or, or the Vita or any one of the texts. Why? Because they're restrictive. And you know, we human beings we don't like rules. That's just who we are in general. And, and we see the Bible is restrictive, the Quran is restrictive, the Vita, all those books are restrictive. So we all acknowledge that there's a higher power out there. Even atheists understand there's a higher power. The man is not the end all be all. We just, we want that higher power not to be in control of us. We want them to just be, a, you know, a benevolent source of goodness. We don't want them to, you know, we don't want them to be ones that tell us what to do. So there's that aspect, the aspect of spirituality is out there. The idea that there are ascended masters out there that are going to return. Every belief system buys into that. And this is what Satan is going to use to his advantage when these angelic beings come to earth. Now, I don't know when they are cast to earth that they're going to be, that they're going to just, we're going to physically see them. If they'll be just bound in our reality, that's possible. That's going to be a freak show. Or it could just be that they are they no longer have access to the heavens and they and when they ever they manifest they're going to be here and um among us and you know they'll just be a lot more present, maybe more like they were in, in the ancient days when you know people believed in these ancient uh, gods of the Egyptians and Assyrians, not just not because they were primitive people who were using them to explain natural phenomena, but because the people in ancient times actually interacted with these beings. And again, I believe when the Holy Spirit came um, upon us in Acts chapter 2 and beyond, a lot of that was suppressed because uh, the, the name of Jesus suppresses a lot of this stuff. We're actually going to touch on that when I give you some quotes that I, I believe support this in, in a few minutes. But now that the Holy Spirit is gone, all these manifestations are going to be happening again. There's going to be more spiritual evil happening. And of course, when you have them here trapped on earth, taken out of the sky because they I say the heaven, not the sky, the heavens, because that's, that was the realm of the fallen angels. But now they are, as a, as the verse in uh, Revelation 12 says, they, there's no longer any place for them for, in heaven. They will be down here among us, and they are going to masquerade as these ascended masters, as these gods of old, as, I believe, aliens. 
I know it sounds crazy. You may not believe in aliens as fine. I don't believe in them either. I don't believe in alien in the sense of a, a, a biological entity that was evolved on another, on another planet and built a spaceship and came here. I don't believe that at all. I'm not going to get into why, but, but many people do. And many people have had experiences with these so-called aliens. But here's the thing about these so-called aliens who, who abduct, uh, abduct people and give people messages. They don't act like biological entities from another planet. The message that they give people is not the message you would give if you were a, again, a, a biological entity that evolved someplace else and came here to visit us either for, either for our good or for our harm. I mean, if you were an advanced race and you want to come here with with bad plan, with nefarious plans in mind, and you want to conquer Earth, what would you do? You just conquer us. We wouldn't be able to stand against you if you had the technology to build air, uh, aircraft, to build spacecraft that can travel faster than the speed of light. Then there's nothing we could do to stop you. Why haven't they conquered us? Well, because that's not what they're here for. Because they're not extraterrestrial beings in that sense. Now, the message that you do get from these aliens, that people who talk to them is very interesting. They claim to two things. They claim to want to help us. They claim to be our space brothers who are here to help us. But here's what's very interesting, that they all have this, a similar message. They all tell us that we can be gods, that man's destiny is to become ascended and to go to a higher plane of existence and be like God. Isn't that very interesting that that's the same message that Satan had to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? that you will be like God, but that there's that, but that God's holding you back. In fact, every one of these encounters, you will find that if you, when you read about them, I've done a ton of research into this stuff because I'm just into that conspiratorial kind of thing. They all have an anti-Christian message. Seriously, they all deny the divinity of Jesus. They deny the accuracy of the Bible. They deny not either the existence of God or our, our, our idea of God as a a benevolent loving entity now does that make any sense i mean think about it let's say you were in truly an advanced extraterrestrial race and you wanted to help us why would these aliens come from billions of miles away travel hundreds of millions of light years to our earth and they don't come here to cure cancer they don't come to solve our our war issues our military issues and bring peace they don't help us with clean energy, you think if they had the ability to travel billions of light years, they'd be able to give us a little bit of technology that would get us off fossil fuels and pollution and would help us. They don't feed the hungry. They, they, you think they have the technology to help us, you know, grow crops more effectively and feed the hungry and and and, and clothe the, the naked and and house the homeless and do all these great things for us. No, no, no. These aliens apparently travel billions of light years just to tell us that the Bible's wrong. Does that make any sense? Of course not. Why? Because these are not biological aliens. These are fallen spiritual entities that have been able to pierce our veil. And I believe that's because, and they've been doing it more and more recently over the past you know, several decades and during the past century. And I believe that's directly correlated to the weakening of the church. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, as it indwells the, as it indwells the uh, church, keeps these things at bay. However, as the church weakens, and it's weak, it is weakening dramatically all the time, it allows for more and more of these spiritual manifestations to happen. Not fully, and not until the Holy Spirit is fully gone, will they be able to fully manifest. But I think they, they come to people who are receptive to them. You, you'll never find a story of, of a true Christian being abducted. 
doesn't happen. Christians are not abducted. Why? Because the name of Jesus uh, uh, keeps them at bay. And I, and I want to give some quotes to support that. But that is what's been happening. You have this so-called alien agenda where these aliens are pretending to be our saviors. And again, their only message to us is, hey, we travel a lot years to tell you that the Bible's wrong. Okay, whatever. Now, the second message they want to give us, not just that the Bible is wrong, but the other message is that they, these so-called aliens, these ascended masters, are our true creators. That's right. They're going to tell us that God did not create the world. God did not create human beings. They did. And you will find some of these shows like um, Ancient Aliens on the History Channel, which I don't even know why they call it the History Channel anymore. There's not even any history on it. It's just a bunch of reality shows and, of course, Ancient Aliens, which has been a show, fascinating show been on for the last 20 years or so with Giorgio Sucolos, the guy with the crazy hair and, and all these Jacques Vallée and uh, all these guys on who who have the same message that aliens visited us year, uh, centuries, millennia ago and they brought their technology to us and they created us. There was a movie that was out a long time ago, I think um, over 10 years ago called Prometheus. Not a very good movie, actually a pretty terrible movie, but the opening, and it was, it was a prequel to the alien movies um, of the uh, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Anyway, the opening scene of this movie, you have, you're on the primordial earth with no human beings, and this uh, white-skinned alien stands over a waterfall. He drinks some liquid that dissolves him, him into his component organic form, and he, and that mass falls into the water, and that became how life was seeded on earth. And so we are the descendants of these aliens. And that is the idea. It's called directed panspermia. The idea that aliens came and either directly created humans or just flew by and dropped their, uh, either dropped some spores onto the earth or dropped their, their waste onto the earth as they were flying by or did some experiments on earth and they created life here, us, and we evolved. That's, you know, back into the whole evolution nonsense, which again, if you want more on that, go to the series on evolution. I talk about directed panspermia quite a bit there. But that's the other message of these aliens, that they are our true creators and they have returned. And, and when, when they fall from heaven, that's going to be one of their messages. They have returned now that we have matured to a certain to a certain um, level, that they're ready to take us to the new level and tell us the real truth. Now that we are intelligent enough, we've invented the iPhone and the Internet and all that. And so now we're finally ready. We've gone from living in caves and beating women over the head with with the club and dragging them to our cave to have children with them. And we've gone all the way, all the way through the Middle Ages. And now we are techno technologically advanced enough that they have come to us and they're ready to take us to the next level. That's their that's the message. But as you can probably guess, and as I firmly believe, these are not benevolent entities. These are, this is spiritual evil, and they have an evil spiritual plan for us. And that plan has, they've been working behind the scenes to prepare us for it, not just them directly, but also their human minions, the Luciferians, the occultists, the people who uh, direct the Spazzo of the Red Horsemen. The people who are behind the scenes who run the world, unfortunately, many people who are running the world today, we've talked about them in the last few episodes, they are Luciferians, they are Satanists, and they know about this plan and they're helping to bring it about. They believe that, I guess they're also deceived because they don't, they don't believe that Satan is evil, they believe Satan is a good guy, the angel of light, they believe that the fallen angels are the gods of old and they have made, they've made deals with them. And this new relationship with the gods, with this, there are people and entities that are purposefully um, enacting 
the, the scenes of revelation to usher in the Antichrist. See, this, this supports what Luciferians refer to as the quote-unquote great work. This is what they call the great work. And the great work is to burn the world down, to destroy the world, and pave the way to rebuilding it in, in the Luciferian doctrine. To basically rebuilding the world into the image of, a, of an occult utopia. And again, this requires the destruction of organized religions and the advent of global consciousness or global spirituality ultimately leading back to the idea of Lucifer as the angel of light who saves man from the oppressive God. We're going to talk about um, that message of the oppressive God as we end this with the, when, when, they, when the people call on for the, uh, to, hide, to hide from the wrath of the Lamb. So as support for this, I, I've, again, I, I admit to be a bit of a conspiracy theorist, not as crazy as some of them, because a lot of these conspiracies aren't even conspiracies anymore, as I said earlier, they're open facts. And I want to read, and there, there are many topics, or many, not topics, there are many uh, sources for this kind of information, but I want to quote from a book that was written by some, and the reason I'm quoting from this particular book is because it was written by someone who is, who called himself a Christian. I believe he sincerely is a Christian. Um, he's also Greek Orthodox, so he's, you know, which in Greek Orthodox is basically the cousin of Catholicism, and, and you know how I feel about Catholicism, but I believe he's a, he is a sincere uh, person who he struggles with his Christianity, but I think he's a sincere Christian. So I want to use his book, and his book is called uh, Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. And he and it's written by his pseudonym, Isaac Weishaupt. That's not his real name. He, it's a pseudonym. But um, Isaac wrote this book because he studies a lot of these things. And he, again, st studies it from the idea that Christianity is real and God is real. That's what I want to quote from him. So here's a quote from, a few quotes from him. Here, and... and yeah, this is in support of what I've been saying. Okay, quote, The occult scientists have long pursued the fantasy of suppressing belief in Christ because it is possible that that belief in him is what keeps the so-called aliens at bay. The UFO control system started by uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée, and by the way, this is a note for me, Jacques Vallée is one of the prominent people in the ancient alien unit uh, uh, that they created the world and that he believes that, he thinks it's a good thing and he wants the aliens to come back. Uh, the Dr. Valley describes, it fits into all the mental and occult exercises of ritual magic. It also fits into their desire to destroy the worldview that God created us in, in his image. So again, in this book, he is basically stating that the occult, what I just said, the occult people want to suppress Christianity because Christianity is what's stopping them. When people are raptured, it's going to, they're going to think it's a great thing because they're finding out of the way and they can manifest these entities that they've been wanting to bring about. And again, they want to destroy the idea that God created the world and that the aliens created us. Uh, quoting again from the book, who is in this, in this point, they're quoting Jacques Vallée again, quote, the system I'm speaking of may well be able to be located in outer space, as some would believe. And indeed, it may be. But its manifestations are not spacecraft in the nuts and bolts sense. The UFOs are physical manifestations that cannot be understood apart from their psychic and symbolic reality. What we see in effect here is not an alien invasion in a, in, in a practical sense. It is a control system which acts on humans and uses humans. Many alien abductees have reported that the aliens 
cease their nefarious plans when the name of Jesus Christ is spoken. There are even cases that contractors in deep underground military bases, and we're going to talk about those bases when we get to the earthquake, again, continue to quote, that uh, contractors in these deep underground military bases sign non-disclosure agreements that forbid them from speaking the name of Jesus while underground, where the alien entities reside. Alien entities being fallen angels, and I also believe Nephilim. Continuing, no matter how fringy you want to get with your belief in aliens, there is an element of the spirit of spirituality that we cannot ignore. Uh, ending the quote there. So, again, the name of Jesus seems to keep these things, these entities at bay. You're not, you can't speak the word of Jesus about them, and no matter how. And every time you study, you cannot study the UFO phenomenon sincerely without getting into the spiritual aspect, aspect because they are one and the same. So I'm going to quote another session from the book. Before I do, I want to define a couple of terms that are going to be used here so that you understand what they are. One of them is Project Bluebeam, and the other is the Maitreya. Project Bluebeam, and you can Google this if you want more information, is actually a fringe government project that, that with the intention of deceiving humanity, sections of humanity, into the belief that aliens are real, that, that UFOs are invading us for the purposes of manipulating them. They're going to use te high level technology, holograms, uh, 5G, if you want to go the, that route. They're going to use the most advanced technology that the military has in, in order to simulate an alien invasion. Again, holographic stuff, um, projections, and things like that. That's that's the goal of Project Bluebeam, to use, to basically weaponize um, the idea of an alien invasion, a false alien invasion. So again, that false invasion thing is already a part of this project. And the other term, the Maitreya, is one of the as a secular title of the Antichrist. The Maitreya is it's considered a is considered the coming world leader, the coming chief ascended master who is going to bring the world into the new age. Who's going to elevate man's consciousness and, and elevate him to the again to the next level of human evolution. So those are the definitions. So now um, let's get into the quote from the um, the Aliens UFO the Occult book by Isaac Weihoff. Okay, quoting. Uh, keeping in mind the topic of the Maitreya, the cult believe that in the end times, enlightened masters will come to earth to bring about the new age and the true religion. The ushering in of the apocalypse is the means to that end, bringing the Luciferian religion to the masses. Uh, quoting a Luciferian, Serge Monest, quote, the Maitreya will be brought out during Project Bluebeam. This is referring to to the Luciferian God being, reincar being incarnated. The Blue Bean Project will pretend to be the universal fulfillment of the prophecies of old, as major an event as that which occurred 2,000 years ago. He's referring to the crucifixion of Jesus. Then the projections of Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, etc. will merge into one after correct explanations of the mysteries and revelations will have been disclosed. This one God will be the Antichrist, who will explain that the various scriptures have been misunderstood and misinterpreted, and that the religions of old have been responsible for turning brother against brother and nation against nation. Therefore, old religions must be abolished to make way for the new age and the new world religion represented by the one God, Antichrist, they see before them. In addition, this event will occur 
during a time of profound worldwide political anarchy and general tumult, tumult created by some worldwide catastrophe, end quote. Okay, so let's bring this all together. All the, all the things I've just quoted from this book and from and various sources, you can find them all over the place, are showing that there is a preparation in place for a deception that that will be unleashed in the end times that, again, this is from the secular point of view, they know the end apocalypse, apocalypse is coming. They are preparing for this at, during some time of chaos in the future, which will be this event in Revelation chapter 6. They are preparing to deceive the world through Project Bluebeam and these um, these, these high-level, high-technology pro, uh, projections that the, our alien saviors have come to save us from all these things that have that have happened to the earth, and it's going to be it's not going to be a secular event. It's going to be a spiritual event. They are going to fool the world into believing that all world religions have been wrong, that Jesus um, is wrong, that Buddha is wrong, that Krishna is wrong, that Christianity, that Islam, that Hinduism, that Norse mythology, Greek mythology. Egyptian religions, you name the religion, they've all been wrong, they've all been misinterpreted, that the aliens are our creators, these ascended masters created us. We've we've gotten great with technology, but we've, but we've just misinterpreted all their words, and now they finally come to tell us the truth, and the truth is that they are our creators, that all the gods, including the God of the Bible, that we've been worshiping over the years are actually them, and they're going to give us the truth, and they're going to save us from ourselves and take us to a higher spiritual level and people are going to accept it. People are going to accept this deception. In fact, Paul says himself, and I'll put the exact scripture on the screen, that because these people did not love truth, God will send them a great delusion that they should believe the lie. That's scriptures right there on the screen right now. Because these people did not love the truth of the Bible, God is going to allow them to be deceived. He's going to give them a strong delusion. And I believe this is what the strong delusion is. They're going to believe the lie of the false apocalypse. Again, that's my opinion, but I think it fits um, tremendously that people are going to believe this. So let's get back to uh, to the Bible scriptures and let's talk about how these things fit in with what we're seeing in uh, Revelation chapter 6. So what do we see happening here? We see a great earthquake. What is that earthquake? The earthquake, and 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 we also have the the the, um, the sky rolling up like the heavens rolling up like a scroll. Both of those are actually part of the same event. They are the angels, these fallen angels, being kicked out of heaven. And remember, we don't think of heaven as just being above us. It's all around us. The spiritual realm is all around us. So they're coming out of the earth and out of the out of the heavens, above and below, because there are angels in both. There are angels that are deep underground. Peter talks about it. The angels in, in Tartarus. Uh, Jew talks about them as well. These, these are the ones who were judged. So they're deep under. So the angelic beings are deep underground, and they are in our heavens. The heavens rolling up like a scroll means that heavens are being compressed. Why? Because these angels no longer have a space there. Their heavenly realm is being destroyed, and they have and there's no place for them in heaven. So they have to come to earth. The earthquake is not just, is not God's anger at humanity. The earthquake is because all of these places under the earth where these angels are being kept are being opened up. That's why the earth is, is shaking the way it is because these where these places where these angels are imprisoned that Peter talked about, they're being broken open so that these angels can come up, these angelic beings can come up to be judged. And the judgment was, is going to start in the next chapter, but all the 
the, all the angelic, all the spiritual evil has to be here on earth for God to finally judge them. So the, the sky is going to roll up to kick the angels out of there. The earth is going to open up to kick the angels out who are under the earth. And they're all going to be here on earth. And of course, we're going to believe that they are, well, not we, hopefully we, you either won't be here or if you are still here, we won't believe that we'll, we'll, you know, we'll still hold on to hopefully to our faith in God. But the world will believe that these entities are you know what, what we just talked about for the last few minutes, that these are the people who are come to save us from the calamity. So these are not just cosmic disturbances, which is the traditional view of Revelation chapter six with the sixth seal being open. This is not just this isn't God being angry with man. It is it is due to you know the actions of God with them being kicked out of heaven, with the angels being kicked out of heaven and kicked out of the earth as well. So it's, it's specifically bringing these entities down and up, bringing them onto earth for their judgment. So we're over time. We're at about the 40 minute mark. So obviously it's going to be another long one. But I, I need to end with the wrath of the Lamb because the wrath of the Lamb is that idea, that phrase is one of my proof points that, again, this is a deception from Satan. So let me just read the um, uh, part again um, that talks about where this phrase comes from. Uh, verse 15 of Revelation chapter 6. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come and who is able to stand. So what's happening here? Well, as the angels, fallen angels are being kicked out of heaven and earth, they, no, th th these terrible things are happening. This great, incredible earthquake is happening. The uh, sky receding like a scroll has been happening. So they, people are afraid. They run to the mountains and hills because there's no safe place. The cities aren't safe. You know, they have to go out into the country. And... And, um, and, and, and hide there. Oh, I'm sorry, and as an aside, I need to bring this up because um, I, I said that I was going to look at Revelation from a, a spiritual standpoint as well as a physical standpoint. So I want to bring up something that Dr. Michael Heiser, who I, again, admire greatly for his work in the Unseen Realm, he, he's, he, he believes that there's a possibility that these ideas of, of every mountain and island being moved out of its place with this earthquake, that mountains and islands are often an idiom for kingdoms. So it, it might not be that a mountain is physically moved. It's still, still going to be a great earthquake, but it may not be that mountains, physical mountains are moved. The, this may be a reference to kingdoms being moved um, out of their place. Uh, so these kingdoms, and again, the, these angelic beings are the ones who are over the kingdoms of the earth. Satan said when he tempted Jesus, I, I have all the kingdoms of the earth. I can give them to whoever I please. The Deuteronomy 32 worldview where uh, Moses talks about how after the Babel incident, God put angelic beings, the sons of God, the Benaiha Elohim, he put each one of them over a nation. And of course they became fallen angels and you know, that's that's the source of people like the people or entities like the Prince of Greece, the Prince of Persia. These are all entities that God initially put over the nations who rebelled against them. So the mountains being shaken could be an idea of the kingdoms or, or the kings of these of the, the spiritual kings of these nations being shaken. So just want to put that out there. But in any case, these people Every man, from the highest to the lowest, from the richest to the poorest, they go and hide in the caves. And what do they say? They say, they don't repent, by the way. They don't say, you know, we, we were wrong. No, they just want to hide. They say, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, God, and from the wrath of the Lamb. That phrase, wrath of the Lamb, is very, very important. People take it for granted that this is what's happening. Now, who's the Lamb? The Lamb, of course, is, is, is one of the names of Jesus. So... Bible commentators really just take this for granted that the people recognize that Jesus, that they're experiencing the wrath of Jesus. And, you know, they, 
then they're afraid. But here's a, there's a huge problem with that. This term, wrath of the Lamb, this is the only place that phrase appears in the entire Bible. You will not find the term wrath of the Lamb anyplace else. Go to your favorite Bible software. I use Bible Gateway. That's where the links to Bible verses are. And just write in wrath of the Lamb and do a word search for it. You will not find it anyplace in the Bible. You will find the wrath of God in the Bible. You find it all over the place. Why? Because wrath is God the Father's purview. That's Jehovah's purview. It's not the role of Jesus. And the Trinity, they are the Trinity is all God, but they all, they have different roles in their Godhead. The role of God is judge. He is and he is the judge of these fallen entities. Fallen entities, excuse me. Jesus, that Jesus is that's not his role. Jesus' role is not wrath. You never find that anywhere. Not a single place where you find wrath ascribed to Jesus. So that so it only appears here. And who's saying it? Not God, not Jesus. Jesus doesn't call this his wrath. God doesn't call this the wrath of Jesus. Christians don't call it the wrath of Jesus. The, the good angelic beings don't call it the wrath of Jesus. The only people who use this phrase are evil men. This is the only time, the only place in the Bible you will find the term wrath of the Lamb, and it is spoken by evil, deceived men. Why is this important? Because this is part of the deception. Satan and these fallen angels will have deceived men into believing that all these things are from God, not just the earthquake, but everything from the red horseman and the spotso to the black horseman of economic control to the, the pale horseman of death and, and massive population reduction. They're going to believe all of this stuff is from Jesus, but not just any Jesus. They call him the lamb. Why is that important? Because Jesus is no longer in the role of the lamb. Once these seals are open, Jesus is not the lamb. The lamb of Jesus ceased his role of as a lamb when he was sacrificed. Jesus is now his next role. He's a, I think he's a bridegroom right now. That's what he's doing as we currently as we speak. He's preparing for his bride, which is the church. But then after that, he will be the conquering king. He's done with the role of the lamb. The lamb is, you know, the suffering servant, the meek and mild Jesus. That Jesus is that role's done, but that's still how the world sees Jesus. How does if you look at, at, at any depiction of Jesus in the secular world, what do you see? You see the long haired, goateed, uh, long robed hippie in sandals walking around, peace and love, little skinny guy. Basically, a, you know, a human, a big old human teddy bear, just a, you know, a kind of a, a weak and lowly man. That is not who Jesus is anymore, but that's how the world sees him. They see they still see him as the lamb, not the conquering king, not the proud bridegroom, but the lamb. The world still sees him that way. And they are going to ascribe, they're going to be, be deceived into ascribing all the events that's been, that have been happening to them with the previous seals to Jesus. They're not the real Jesus, the Jesus they have in their head, who they, this, this false Jesus, who they don't fully understand, never have understood. So all that to say, this is proof, to, another proof point to me that this is a deception, that Satan is going to deceive the world into believing that this apocalypse is caused by Jesus. That's going to make them hate Jesus. It's going to make them hate biblical Christianity. And it's going to usher in or make it easier for them to accept this idea that the Bible, as well as all other religions, have been false. They're destructive. They're brother against brother and nation against nation. They're, they're the source of all of our problems. So let's just get rid of them all and bring in a new one world religion brought in by our ascended masters and headed up by the Maitreya, the Antichrist, the incarnation of Lucifer, the rider on the white horse. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the, the reason for the false apocalypse. That is the goal that Satan has. And this, as I said at the beginning, this is the culmination of all his machinations and the world is going to believe it and the Antichrist will be set up and brought about and brought into, in, into, into being as the world leader, religious and political. He will be the false Messiah, the false Jesus with Satan as the false Jehovah and of course the false prophet as the false Holy Spirit and we'll talk about him when we get to Revelation chapter 13. Okay, so that is it. That is all of Revelation chapter six. I presented a whole ton of information in the last several episodes. So before we can move on to Revelation chapter seven, I need to do a recap. So in the next episode, I'm, just, I'm going to give a full recap of what's going on here from the point of view, from the big picture point of view of, of Satan and where it began in the very beginning, all the way up to this age, where how he has been plotting this for a long time and how this will again be the culmination of, of his entire work. We see that the book of Revelation is a culmination of everything that God has done. Well, Revelation chapter six will be the culmination of everything that Satan has been doing since Genesis chapter one, verse one, all the way to the, the to the time of, of the six seals. And then we'll go on to Revelation chapter seven, where we will get into the opening of the seventh seal. And that's when God really starts his judgment. This has been a false apocalypse in, in Chapter seven is where the real apocalypse begins. But before we get to that, um, just want to just wrap everything up. And because again, this is this is new information. This is stuff that you probably haven't heard before. And I just want to summarize it. We're gonna do that next time. All right, thank you for listening and watching. I appreciate it. Uh, please subscribe to Faith by Reason by going to faithbyreason.net and putting your, your email to the right navigation area. Please subscribe here on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and the notification button and the like button and the share button and every button you can possibly press. Please press it to support this, these episodes. And I will talk to you next week.